Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit w2mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Hello and welcome to another edition of looking at the best of the decade for video games. And now we're into 2013. So hopefully you went back and listened to the last three. Just in case for some reason you like 2013 more than the other years and you know you don't care about that. Uh, let me explain some of this process after I introduce everybody. So I'm your host Sean Garmer and with me as usual Mr. Mark Morrison. Howdy. And here with us, the guys you've hopefully heard in the last three podcasts, Mr. Randy Isbell. Hello. And Jens Dietrich. Well, hi. All right. So the way we did this is the website didn't exist for the first five years of this decade and most of 2016. And so, you know, we're kind of going, taking a look back at those years and saying, all right, what was the best of the decade and sort of crowning a game of the year, quote unquote, and then also kind of getting to do a redo of 2017, 2018, and 2019, possibly, I don't know. We just did that, so there may not be a lot to redo there. But um, then we'll take all that and some other, you know, an extra show that we're going to do after and make it into a top 100. So we'll have a top 100 games of the decade. And as Mark made the joke, Yes, we aren't the only ones doing that, but hey, why not join in the fun that everybody else is already partaking in? So, like I said, there's a process to this, which we took, everybody had their own top tens, and we did them with points. So, your number one is ten points, your number ten is one point. We put that all together, and for every year we have a top fifteen and some extras that just missed out. And then we take that, and we're trying to take that. 15, 16, 17, whatever, however many number it is, and drop it down to 10, so we have a top 10 for that year. So that's what we're going to do here for 2013, as we have done uh, for the other years. So here's our top 15 or so for 2013 as it stands right now. Uh, We have Dead Space 3 at number 15, Splinter Cell Blacklist. It's at number 14, but technically these two games are also tied at number 13 with Devil May Cry, DMC Devil May Cry, the, the prequel game. Fire Emblem Awakening and Stanley Parable are tied at 11. Muramasa Rebirth is at number 10. Saints Row 4, number 9. Dead Rising 3. And Brothers of Tale Two Sons are tied at 7th. Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds at 6. Tomb Raider, Bioshock Infinite, and... Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag are all tied for third. GTA 5 at number two, which just got announced for Game Pass. And Last of Us is the game of the year right now. So, and just missing out, which can also be included in this list, Papers, Please, and Kentucky Route Zero at 16th, and Pokemon X and Y, Rayman Legends, and Dragon's Crown tied for 18th. So, those are your games to pick from here. Looking at our top 10 and then the other games that we have, personally, I feel like Fire Emblem Awakening 
needs to be included somewhere. So we might need to think about it. And also, I feel like in the Just Missing Out, Papers, Please is a very important game. Uh, of course, this is a Lucas Pope, the guy that made Return of the Oberdin, which people may be more familiar with if you've been gaming recently. So, what do you guys think? 2013 is going to be impossible. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many. Like you said, like, Fire Emblem should be on there. Favorite Please was great. I loved Gone Home. Um, Guacamelee was amazing. And they don't even make our top, like, not even just missing out. They're way out of the list. 2013 yeah. is, is brutal. I mean, and if you're also looking at, like, big games that were super influential, you know, Dota 2, Warframe, Final Fantasy XIV, Realm Reborn, completely changed that game and might might have changed MMOs. Uh, because, you know, WoW is always what WoW is, but Final Fantasy XIV now stands as the MMO, I feel like. so. Um, I think WoW is still bigger. I don't know but about that. Better. When they were announcing... Uh, what it hit like 17 million or something like that. Uh, Final Fantasy 14. I mean, I know WoW's been dropping a lot, so I mean, I guess if you add the WoW Classic, you might, you know, they have that to also contend with. But uh, either way, we're not here to talk about that. That's an old game at this point. <laughs> but um, you know, so anybody else have a game that they really want to include in the top 10 we'll, we'll do ranking later but. so i personally love dragon's crown um it's one of my favorites but i would not include it on this list and i know there isn't going to be a lot of support for it i do agree with you though sean that papers please is an incredibly important game and should be on this list just like i think that the stanley parable is a pretty important game and should be in the top 10 yeah, and final awakening i know technically three houses is probably better at this point um but you got to think about when this game was coming out. Nintendo was at a kind of crossroads with Fire Emblem because it wasn't really doing a whole lot for them. And I think when they made Fire Emblem Awakening, this was sort of like Nintendo telling uh, the developers, the last like, yeah, kind of like, okay, if this Fire Emblem does not sell, we're not going to be making sure that we continue to make Fire Emblem games. And perhaps one of the reasons why this game stands out is because when you think about Fire Emblem now, all these things that Fire Emblem has... Yes, they added more things to Three Houses later, and you can argue that Fates is a total step back because they added way too much. They added, uh, you know, the romances and a lot of the classes that you have now, and um, the story, the way the story branches and all that kind of stuff. A lot of that was added in Awakening, so yep. you know, you can make a case for that being vital for this year. But you've got to think about what are we taking out too, which is. I would cut Saints Row 4 right now. No. It's not as good as Saints Row 3. In fact, it's not good. I would cut out Dead Rising 3 first. And then Bioshock Infinite. I I like Maramasa Rebirth Rebirth myself, but... I also love, you know, Muramasa, that's one, again, you know, I'm a VanillaWare fan. So both Dragon's Crown and Muramasa are really close to my heart. Um, but I'd be willing to cut Muramasa if we cut Saints Row 4, make two spaces. I, I agree with Mark. I don't have a particular... I mean, I'm not going to say Dead Rising doesn't have its place. It certainly does, but I've just never been this person that says, oh, my, Dead Rising is one of those games that like makes me it's, think of a generation or anything. You know, 
Um, it was a, it's the best Dead Rising game. Out of, the, uh, out of all of them? Okay. Out of all of them to me, anyway. Um, it's got fantastic co-op implementation, better than any of the others. Um, it like, is... What, like the second screen stuff? The, the weapon cra- the weapon crafting is fantastic. Um, I gotta remember, this is when a second screen was a big deal in, in console gaming at this point. <laughs> I played it online, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I did play the whole game in co-op, and it worked great. Um, super fun crafting stuff together, mowing zombies down, and ve- like building vehicles. Like it's got kind of that Bungie, Banjo Kazooie nuts and bolts element to it, which none of the others. Well, I guess I guess the Dead Rising Four has it, but Dead Rising Four also is really bland and doesn't have any of the character and and charm of Three. So I just really think Three is. And a lot of people thought that, like, ah, oh, 3 is when Dead Rising got dumbed down or got too easy or whatever the complaints were. But I really think it's when that series got good for me. Actually, it's kind of the only one I like. Actually, Mark brought up a game that I, I kind of agree with, the Bioshock Infinite. I know we have it at 4 in our pre-list rankings. Uh, but uh, to me, it's the second best in the series. I know some people really like Bioshock 2, uh, but the story was a little convoluted. That the action was fine. The ending was weird. Um, it's I, I think it's a good game, but like I said, 2013 is so strong. I have zero problem moving that down and possibly off the list to no, no, allow I think, game. But Mouse Rock Infinite, if you're going to represent an entire that entire year, it needs to be there. It was a big part of the conversation. I mean, I, I, the story obviously was quite controversial and divisive as to whether or not people thought it was good. I definitely thought it, it was it's too not. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I do not like the story. I like using I think... that skyhook in this game, though. Yeah, the skyhook feels really yeah, nice. Combat in the skyhook was bad, and then you move you move too fast on it to actually like be effective. Yeah, it's it's kind of like um. Oh. Like it's need to get around in, but that's about it. Like it's just a gimmick that it's, barely works half the time. It's no sunset overdrive in that regard. <laughs> yeah, but, um, not. But listen, I'll just say this: like on most of the other years, like if that game. I, came out in 2012 of course it makes the list but we're talking about 2013 where i know we're talking about outside so from the other seven the thing that makes infinite stand out to me is just the art style and the music mm-hmm. yeah. are unbelievable like both of those that was one that really liked the story i know there's people and there's there's also like things about the story that are problematic for people what it deals with but you could say that to discuss that in a story of video games is it's also not the racial, big... No, it isn't the racial stuff with me, or like the patriotism. It's the fact that it reads like the first draft of a Sliders episode, or like, you know, a Twilight Zone. Like, you, ooh, you t- alternate dimensions, what a big fucking sh- shocker that is. Well, I don't know if we want to talk about the twist, but, uh, uh, yeah, the twist requires... Well, it's only it, been not six years. I think we're, I think we're fine. Well, well, hey, if people are listening to these, and then maybe they get interested in playing that game. Yeah, it's, we're doing it's a series. really... It's a really cool twist, but when you think back on it and and actually try and figure out how it works and how it it's like a pretzel kind of looping back around on itself, but in a way yeah. that doesn't quite work in my mind. But you know, um, in the moment, it's a really cool. Mo- you know, it's it feels like a great twist, but you just can't think about it too much. I, I don't think it works as well as uh bioshock one in terms of the story i know a lot of people don't like the ending to bioshock one which i i've never had a problem with but well but i would also say the dlc at least the first dlc is is really good Uh, dlcs are good yeah is it 
that was that crappy combat stuff. That was terrible. <laughs> I like no. The, there's the, also like the, the the one that has more of a stealth element. Oh, you mean you mean yeah. the actual DLC, the burial yes. sea crab? Yes, yeah. that. Not the yeah. Yeah, I, I only played enough multiplayer to unlock whatever achievements were easy out of the multiplayer. I mean, I, the multiplayer was not great. Well, I don't know if that nope. even came out the same year. It might have come out the year after. So. No, I thought it was... Was did it, did it really launch separately? Maybe it was just a little... No, they did. They both launched later. separately. I think there was a part one that might have come out at the beginning of the next year. Was it the same year? Mm-hmm. And then the final part three definitely came out later, much later. I'd be fine with moving Bioshock Infinite down, but I don't really want to move it off. I, I, yeah, I, I think agree. I would much rather move more Masa and Saints Row off um, because I just and don't I think would even say Dead the... Rising as well. Because okay, I mean, if I've got to sacrifice Dead Rising three, I I just think Dead Rising three was the best game on Xbox that year. Well, I mean, but what what about Rise, man? Come on, <laughs> I, I like no. Rise. I mean, I'm one of the few people who like You're the Rise, one. but I, it doesn't it doesn't belong on any kind of top ten lists. All right, so if we move those three, what three are we moving up? Stanley Parable, Fire Emblem, and Papers, Please. Exactly. I would actually say Splinter Cell. That was the only that was the only good Splinter Cell game ever made. That's not true conviction. I would agree that's the best Splinter Cell. I even I like Double Agent as well. I mean, it's it's no conviction. Blacklist. It had really great. Uh, that was actually one of the first things Mark and I played together, wasn't it? Yeah. We played we played a lot of the we played the co-op um, stealth uh, side missions together, all of them. When it worked. <laughs> I worked most of the time. Yeah, it had some like weird bugs here and there, though. I remember that. <laughs> though Conviction actually has a better co-op campaign still. It's really great. All right, so are we fine with I would particularly, for me, I feel like Stanley Parable and should be at the bottom and then move the other two that, up. That's, that's fine. And, and I just think not. it should be on there because it was a an important indie title. Yeah, that definitely. And really innovative. Mm-hmm. Um, their, their marketing for that game was really impressive. Like giving a copy of that game out to all the like the big gamer YouTubers, and then having a a um, customized intro for all of them, so mm-hmm. they all felt all special. Which just showed exactly how crazy the the yeah. narrator was in that game, anyways. Because and the level, yeah, the level of attention put into all the branches and all the crazy stuff that you could discover in that game is just insane. Yeah. I spent a few hours in that game just trying to mess up the narrator. <laughs> you just can't do it. That's great. It's, they did a lot of, of stuff in that game. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with this 10. Like, I'm a little sad Guacamelee doesn't make it, but I, again, 2013 is so strong. I, I don't think I can be that upset about it. Yeah. So we just need to figure out the order because this order is all wrong. Okay. Uh, that's fair. Um, do we want to... Jens, you want to, for people that perhaps go, what is Papers, Please? Or why are these guys really making a point of putting it in the top ten? Why? What Papers, makes it stand out? Yeah, Papers, Please is a, I would say, like a Soviet Union, like, checkpoint simulator where you are, you're like, immigrate, like you're, you're dealing with uh, uh, whether you're going to let people in or out of the country, essentially, and you have to inspect you have to inspect their uh, uh, credentials and check and see, you know, look for inconsistencies, look for things that might hint at them being fake. And you're doing this under extreme time pressure. And sometimes there may be a narrative reason why you might want to let somebody through, even if their papers are bad. 
And other times, if you let somebody through whose papers are bad, the consequences are dire. But regardless, at the end of the day, you'll be uh, um, you'll be dinged for um, anything you did wrong. And if you get dinged too much, you will not get paid and your family will starve. So sometimes you'll be forced to make really terrible choices uh, and um, kind of screw your fellow man just to uh, ensure the survival of your own family. Uh, it's really a great empathy generator, that game. It it puts you in the mindset of somebody just trying to survive in an oppressive regime and maintaining their humanity. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, he said, he said it perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I... I People it's ask me what game. people ask me what it is about, and I say it's a it's a paperwork simulator. But he said it way better and more yeah. appealing. It's a very fun. It's a very fun game. Okay, so and I thought it was touching. I mean, genuinely like emotional. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, that's what I got out of it. Is um, that's what I went into Return of the Overdone hoping to also get. Is the he told such a great story in Favors Please, and I was like, oh, I wonder if. Overdin's going to have that same feel, and in its own way it did, because you're discovering the story yourself, uh, which is what's fun about that game. But, yeah, Lucas Pope, make more games. I'm, I'm totally done with that. Yeah. Uh, Overdin's more like cryostasis, where you're kind of reliving people's memories. Right. But there's a lot of... Yeah. The, the thing that turned me off that, I need to get back to it, but it's just there's a lot of f- actual physical note-taking required with Overdin. Yeah, you have to do... It's almost like you're being a detective and having to pay attention to like every little detail and going back and and figuring out your own puzzle as, as it happens. You know? It's it's neat in that way. It is really cool. I like that guy as a dev, for sure. So, Brandy, I know you are a, a deep lover of Brothers and Tale of Two Sons. Oh, it's just uh, so good. The, the way they so. tell that story of two brothers going on a journey to to get a medicine to save their dad. And uh, the big thing in that game is you're controlling both of the characters at the same time, one with each stick. And the puzzles that they go around there, and they were able to break that game up into just little stories that are so touching and amazing. And the way it all winds up into one big moment at the end. I don't want to spoil the big curve into that one either because I think a lot less people have played this one than Bioshock Infinite. But it's it's such a beautiful game. Wes and I did it on one of the first ever backlog busting projects and it was the reason why I loved doing that project for the two years that we did it was games like that that I just passed by. It's so well done, so so beautiful and the story's amazing for, for them not saying a word. And it's a really good co-op game once they patched that in. Like, it, uh, they really made that work. See, and I, I get that, and I never tried it that way, but controlling both was, it made you feel more of that connection than I think if Wes and I played it in co-op. Interesting. I think, it, I think it's better when you play it by yourself. Now, A Way Out, I still haven't played yet, but that one I can definitely tell is, is meant for Oh, that people. one's made for, you yeah. have to play with the yeah. version. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, the whole different thing. But yeah, I and this is such a like hard six to move. I mean, you can move Bioshock Infinite if you, you know you guys talked about it um, about moving it. But this is a hard at least five aside from Infinite to move because you know Last of Us is such a behemoth of what you know. This is funny because I would never. Oh, I don't want to move Last of Us. No, I don't want to move that either. What I'm saying is, I, I remember <laughs> doing this for. Oh, I know. Mark's not particularly uh, 
the game, all the gameplay in Last of Us is fine. It's a story that I've made major problems with. What? What? Wait, what? Yeah, Why? the way to abruptly jump seasons. Like that's terrible. It's like you drive into Colorado. It's like, oh, it's fall now. It's like what? Yeah. Mark only likes games that are eighty hours long. No, that's not you mean true. Good ones. He, <laughs> he has plenty of space for some very many eighty-hour games as well. Because uh, probably when we talk about the newer Assassin's Creed titles, he will tell you about how much those eighty-hour games are not. Good. Yeah, those, so, those those drag. If you want to see a game drag too long, it's one of those. So, uh, but I, you know, I, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, I didn't interrupt. Um, I was just going to say, since you're talking about the bottom five, I'm actually okay with the bottom five. I just think that, like, Bioshock Infinite should move down. I don't know. I feel like that's one of the best Zelda games. It's a link between worlds, yes. and it could certainly go above Infinite. I, I am a huge proponent of the 2D Zelda games. I like them way more than the 3D ones. And to me, A Link Between Worlds is second only to A Link to the Past, which, of course, is a sequel to... Right. Uh, Absolutely amazing game. I love the the twist where you can turn into a painting on the walls and some of the the puzzles that can go around that. But other than that, it's just such a, a great recreation of the Link to the Past world, and I absolutely love that game. I think it needs to move up myself. Mm. So agree. if we just if we just move Bioshock Infinite way down and Assassin's Creed Black Flag about halfway down, I think then we'd be okay. I, I can't agree. That's my favorite, and to me, still the best Assassin's Creed. All right, here's. Let me, I, I'm just gonna make my points about Assassin's Creed Four for a sec. I'm of two minds about it because I really, really like the ship combat. Yes, uh, it's great I think ship everything combat. when you're at sea and you're hunting down those those galleons, that stuff's all really great. And if that was the entire game, that would be like a nine out of ten game for me. Because uh, I also like. I think the combat system works really well. What breaks me is all the stealth missions. Like the stealth missions are like worse than the stealth missions in three were even, and I hated three. And the insta fail of them, the incredible tedium of them, the flatness of all of the environments. There's just a lot of waiting in grass or waiting in like fields. I, you know, the most satisfying thing about all that stuff to me, actually, my favorite feature in that game is that they added the um, you can rate. You know, you can give like a star rating to each mission for for feedback purposes that they supposedly were looking at. Well, and the just, whole like framing story is really great. It just goes nowhere with it, unfortunately. Yeah, that it's, it's I don't even want to talk. The story past Assassin's Creed Three is completely ruined, so you can't even. I don't even want to consider the story for any Assassin's Creed game past the Desmond trilogy because who gives a shit? But you know. The most satisfying thing about that game is after all of these shitty stealth missions, just giving each of them one star. Like, just just saying, like, <laughs> ah, fuck you, one star, after every one of them. So it's like half a great, it's like half a great game. Well, yeah. No, I, I would say, that, I mean, to take your criticism to point, because I, I, I agree, the ship was by far better than the well, yeah, it, I and mean, stuff. That, but that game I that hasn't come that, out. I want to say the ship was like two thirds of that game. Yeah, true. I just do not think it should be number three on this list. Like, it should be like number six. Like, it shouldn't be top five. And what do you guys think of Tomb Raider? I love uh, it. Good, that Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider game. To me, it's best, best Tomb Raider game. Restart the series. Uh, amazing world design. Uh, just incredible set pieces. 
everything about the production of it basically perfect. I think I played it like three or four times on different platforms. And the only, I, well, the only problem with it is the lack of tunes. Yeah, the two. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's. Well, stuff. but I There's think a, it also plays light. into the story, right? If she's not, she's just learning how to be Laura Croft. At yeah, that and that, so that stuff is really strong. Like all the stuff about her. Uh, to be fair. She does become a murder machine. Like after like the first third of the game, she does become a murder machine very quickly, and it kind of abandons that conceit somewhat. But the the first third, where where she's just kind of coming to terms with it, is very strong in that regard. I was just asking because I I totally agree with everything you guys are saying. I love that series. I love all three of those games. Uh, I've always called it the first remake, the, the Tomb Raider, Laura Croft's really bad day. I, I don't know if I've seen a character have a worse day than Laura does in that game, but. No, I loved it too. I just didn't know if we needed to move that up too. It's I, I've been, I've been in my head debating between Tomb Raider and Legend of Zelda myself. So it'd be interesting to see where we put them. Well, I would love Legend of Zelda number three, Tomb Raider number four, or something like that. That's where I was gonna go with that. Was do we want to do that? Because I also think about like the, another cool thing about that Tomb Raider was that she gets in a, at first before she becomes a murder machine. You don't really want to get in a fight with anything because. You see her get beat up, and it's like, holy shit. <laughs> like, yeah, but wow, that, that only lasts you know? 20 minutes. Yeah, but that's so cool. Once, you know? when, like, once you get the bow and you take out that first deer, then it's like kind of just game on. <laughs> yeah, but it also makes the combat. Like, I love the combat in that game. The first game, at least, before she just becomes a god in the second one. But, like, the the first one, they keep that pretty even, I feel like, still. I know, yes, she does eventually, like, progress as you would in any game i imagine but yeah i just i think that's all well done as far as like this is what if if we had the technology back then when tomb raider was first coming around like you know this is a wonderful recreation of that if if they had the technology back then imagine the boob physics laura would have had then oh lord (laughs) i was hoping we wouldn't even you know have to discuss that but yeah i'm gonna Uh, suggest something somewhat crazy uh-oh. What if we move Fire Emblem Awakening to number five? No. I just you feel it's... Nice, it has to creep four down. It's, that's not going to happen. Yeah, but it's... Okay, think about this. Assassin's Creed okay, hold on. Best... You just said that it's still two-thirds of a great game, and you also have to think about this. Like, every other game that has some kind of a shipping, ship combat, whatever, basically takes from that game. Except so, for Sid Meier's Pirates. I'll still take Sid Meier's Pirates over Assassin's Creed 4 in terms of ship stuff. I, I mean, like, the Kingdom Hearts use of ship combat, that's from that game. The That ship game that Ubisoft still has to come out with, most of that's all from that game. Oh, you mean in terms of how influential? You're right. There, yes. You're right. The it's been bones, imitated Sun a lot. and Bones or whatever the hell it is. But Skull think about bones, this. Not only is Fire Emblem Awakening one of the best games in the Fire Emblem, beloved, but it also to like single-handedly save that series and it's you know made it huge okay didn't play it don't care all right okay. well okay aside from the i don't care <laughs> uh this is hard because like all right i'll give that conceit that we can move uh, aside from mark's i don't care thing i, I mean i mean I, I I have I no problem this year, so I, yeah, I really don't care. <laughs> I, I have no problem flipping Fire Emblem and Bioshock. Yes, actually, that that would be, I'd be okay with that. 
but if Bioshock moved to number eight, if Fire Emblem moved to number six, I'd be happy with that. Wow. If we have any like total infinite crowd listeners, they're probably sitting there going, what the hell are you guys doing right now? Those people are wrong. You like a bad game. Get over it. It's not bad. I just think it's severely over. I mean, it's not even overrated because there are a lot of people that hate it. (laughs) I remember doing the 411 thing for this. I think the hate for Infinite is too much. I agree. It it doesn't deserve the hate, but it also doesn't deserve to be that high up, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think we really need to talk Bioshock, Bioshock Infinite is like the Sonic Adventure of it today. Oh. A graphically oh, impressive that's... but empty and hollow bad game. Uh, um, nah. with, a, with a terrible story. Okay. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> which is which is correct. So, <laughs> honestly, I think this list is pretty good. The only game I, I want to bring up just because we haven't talked about it, Grand Theft Auto Five is. To me, by far... Do you have to Grand talk about it? I mean, like, I think everybody knows about it. I know, I just want to say, to me, it's like the greatest Grand Theft Auto game ever made, and I'm no. really curious to see what they do with 6. I mean, I it's agree. good, but it's not, the, it's not the best GTA game. What's the best GTA game? I would say San, San Andreas. I would, San Andreas is good. Yeah. I don't like I don't like the de- like the lack of humor in GTA 5. Oh, 5 is pretty humorous. What are you talking humor? about? Well, no, Trevor is humorous, but the other two guys are like extremely dour. And oh. also, Trevor or not Trevor? Uh, what's his, what's the other guy's name? It's not Trevor and not Michael. Michael. No, the other guy, uh, uh, Carl. Yeah, Carl. Yeah, he doesn't have that much. Yeah, he's kind of sidelined. His story gets saw. Yeah, he, like after Trevor gets introduced, that guy basically fades away completely. And yeah, it's it, really it, awkward and weird. It bummed me yeah. out that they didn't do more of him. Yeah, he was kind of the tutorial guy. And then they bring in Trevor, and they're like, everyone's going to play as Trevor the whole time. That's fine. And and what they did with the online thing, and how much they still add to that thing. Like, I haven't played it in a while. new stuff all the time. It's yeah, it's still got, I mean, literally this I, game... I, I still it, wish they would have done some single-player DLC. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, they knew where their money was, and online is ridiculous. Yeah, so... Mark, I agree with you. For its time, I think San Andreas was more impressive than GTA V was when GTA V came out. But And I think I liked the overall story more. It was a little less fragmented, and it felt more epic, I guess. It felt like a big epic journey GTA San Andreas did. But, man, GTA V, there's just so much amazing stuff in it. The online is amazing, and the world. And actually, you know what? Like That is the best performing and best-looking 360 game I've ever played in my life. Like, when you consider that that is a last-gen game, and when they ported it to next-gen, you could barely tell that it was a port from last-gen because it was already so good. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a legitimate technical marvel. Yeah, and they'll probably port it over to this next-gen, too, because Uh, it's the only game I've ever seen that is still in the top ten of MPD every freaking month for every year that, that it's existed. I mean, like, it's ridiculous. Like, who doesn't own that game at this point? <laughs> Do people just keep buying copies to sell it and, and you know, sell it themselves? Or, I don't know. I, I have no understanding of how the hell that game still sells now. It's, I, I know the, G, the online is, 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 you know, a total game seller or whatever, but it's just, like, it's amazing to me. 
seeing that. No, it, it's it's, it's all those people that, that turned in their GTA 5 copy to get Red Dead Redemption 2 have now turned in Red Dead Redemption 2 to get back Grand Theft Auto 5. <laughs> well, now you don't yeah. have to buy it if you have a... Well, for the few people that have it... No, I'm just kidding. For the Maybe people that have Xbox, you can get it on Game Pass. <laughs> the online in Red Dead 2 is such a bummer. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it was just like online GTA Five though when it first launched. No, but it's not. It's not. It's the systems of I, my argument there is I feel the systems of Red Dead Two are inherently incompatible. They with, don't work uh, for co-op. I with, with, with with online because yeah. it's it's too punishing. The um, you know, dying in that game with the way the resources work and the way generally progression works, it's just super painful to get ganked in that. Like it's like you can get ganked to the point where you're basically. You're just a bum. Well, and all the people that like, like, like just grief you maybe. because they want to do it, you know. Right. Uh, but you know, there's not really in Red Dead One when you got killed in multiplayer, there wasn't really any repercussions to it. But you suffer the same repercussions essentially that you suffer in single player to dying, and those are bad repercussions. So if you die too much, it becomes you know your character is almost not viable anymore. At least as of you know, I only played it at launch. They may have changed a lot of that stuff by now, but. I know a lot of people abandoned that thing really quickly. Yeah, I, I, it's so funny because like I remember at the time when I was doing this for four and one, like the actual in two thousand thirteen, like it was between Bioshock and and Last of Us, and like GTA was way behind, you know, and I think Tomb Raider was somewhere in like fourth and whatever, and like now doing it here in twenty twenty basically. How much, you know, that's changed. How much we don't, like, Bioshock has not aged well at all. Um, so. Well, well, that, and honestly, I think uh, with, with Grand Theft Auto V, there was a lot of issues with online. So I think when it came right. time for a lot of people to do Game of the Year, they were looking at the online issues and really knocked it down. Yeah, and I think it's the first time that, like, there was really this, there was a, other games just as big as it that were... Mm-hmm out to take it for game of the year too. I think almost every other time it's the clear cutaway game of the year most of the time. So like to have these other big behemoth games against it, that's, you know, that's going to take a chunk out of that too. Um, you know, I know Mark sort of mentioned not liking the story, but, uh, you know, Randy, I know last of us is your, your thing. It's okay. So, uh, I, I don't know I, I, that we need to talk about it too long, but you know, if you want to gush about it for a little bit, fantastic. Obviously, I mean, I know Mark hates the story. I absolutely loved it. I, it's I always say it's the game that I, I don't want to ever play again because I don't know if my heart can take it. I'm going to right before I play the second one, of course. But uh, the story is so good. I don't know how many times it got me to to tear up. I mean, I, it's gotten to the point right you can find people that have cut the cutscenes and all of the little walking segments where that Joel and Ellie are having a conversation and they've turned that into a movie. That's and I, how I, did it. I didn't play the game because I didn't have enough. I, I tried yeah. to a bunch of times and I said, look, I got to play games that are happening at this time. So I just sat there and watched the movie and I was like, Oh shit, this is so good. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, I, I had my mom watch it and she absolutely loves it. And the gameplay is really good. And they, they brought a realism to games that they didn't with Uncharted. Uncharted was obviously a little over the top with with Nathan Drake climbing Mount Everest every game. Uh, but of course, I still love all of that. And it was a lot more goofy humor. Last of Us was so down to earth and gritty and rough. And 
and getting to know both Joel and Ellie and, and, and their stories, especially with the DLC for Ellie and learning her backstory too. It's just, it's so good. I mean, easily the best story I've ever played in a video game and the gameplay was great too. Wow, that's a real bummer for you. <laughs> no, it's up there. It's one of the best for sure. Um, I, I really like the survival. I feel it's like the right level of survival horror elements, like the right level of scarcity for well, your there stuff. Isn't any. Like it, there's, no, that's not true. There's, there's definitely. I mean, initially, a weight. initially there is, but like once you get to like the college campus, you become like you're basically unkillable. That, I, I don't agree, but. Uh, I, don't know. I think we're we're all other than Mark. We're all agreed that Last of Us needs to be number one. So we're just going to overrule them. Also, that DLC came a year later, so it doesn't count by your rules. No, I know. I'm not saying that's why it's number one. I'm just saying, as far as the story goes, that was a great point to it. The DLC well, was it good. Also but adds to the story itself. that that helps with why you know Last of Us Part Two. So it's that it's scene like Last of Us Yes, but. If we go to 2014, Reaper of Souls isn't even on the anything, so we can't add it. But um, yeah, I I think yeah, I'm not. I also I think I sat there and watched it how many times I said, "Man, Joel, you're such an asshole." Like, <laughs> dude, be better to to Ellie, you know. So and and not there's not a lot of stories that you can just watch it by itself and go, "Man, I'm I'm feeling things and I'm not pressing the buttons." So. Um, you know, yes, uh, and, and I feel like it, like you said, Uncharted's a different tale, but those writers from that Uncharted series were able to make a cinematic in the same way. It's, it's cinematic, but it's like they were able to tell a different story, and now you're sitting there going, man, what are they possibly going to, how are they going to wrench our heart in part two? You know, and... I don't, I, I, I'm afraid to find out. Yeah. Yep. So I think so, we're all good with this list, right? Yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with this list. I'm indifferent to this year, so go ahead. <laughs> I mean, this is Mark. You boggle my mind sometimes. <laughs> well, that's I always appreciate Mark because I know I may feel a certain way when I'm gonna go. We're both playing this game, and we're gonna talk about it on the podcast, and I'm like, I wonder how Mark's gonna feel about. This I mean, I've got occasionally crazy taste too, but like, there's a limit. Well, neither one of my games of. Uh, Space Rangers HD or Euro Truck Simulator 2 have made this list yet. <laughs> well, you know. So, okay, here we go. Top 10 for 2013. It uh, stands like this. Last of Us is number one. GTA 5, number two. Legend of Zelda, Link Between Worlds, number three. Tomb Raider at number four. Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. At number five, Final Love Awakening at six, Brothers of Tale of Two Sons at seven, Bioshock Infinite, surprisingly at number eight, Papers, Please at nine, and The Stanley Parable is at ten. And there you go. There is our top ten for 2013. So if you enjoyed this, uh, you know, tie, or this, uh, this, damn it, Randy's doing stuff here. I don't know if that's Mark that's doing things in this doc and it's confusing me. So if uh, you enjoyed what you heard here, hopefully you go back and listen to 2010, 2012. Uh, let us know what you think. You can hit us up at email, w2network at gmail.com or find us all on Twitter and tell us each individually. I'm at w10sean. Randy's at Randy Isbell. Uh, Jens is at uh, Aperture Silence. And Mark is at Humanity Plague. You can... 
tell them how much uh, you agree or disagree with his thoughts on, on Last of Us. And hopefully you keep continuing to our series for 2014 coming up and uh, right there for you to listen to. Later, everybody.